Welcome to Man to Man. This is your podcast host, Anna. I'm here with Amy. How do you say your last name, Amy? Yeager. Yeager. Amy Yeager. And she's awesome. This girl is my boss at work. And I've only known her for a couple months now. But ever since I've met her, she has this eccentric, super fun, super social personality. And she has the most insane stories. We haven't even gotten into it together because whenever she says, like, gives me a little sneak peek about her life, it's at work. And then she'll tell me, like, oh, yeah, this happened when I was 13. Oh, got to go. Like, got to go serve <laughs> serve some tables. So um, finally, we're here. We're sat down together. Yeah. You want to introduce yourself? Was it your birthday recently? It was. I fucking... <laughs> I was even just telling someone the other day, I was like, yeah, I'm 25. And I was thought about that same conversation later and I was like I just straight lied to them I was gonna say you told me you were 25 a couple what did you just turn 26 yeah and well like fucking December but it takes a while to like click I guess I don't know you forget you go like a whole year being like yeah I'm 25 you like convince yourself and then like you gotta unconvince yourself it takes a while it's like when it's like a new year and it's like 2023 and you have to keep I was just writing a check the other day and someone I wrote it for 2020. I don't know. I was just like, all right, we're going to just re-fucking-live that. Like, why not? I know. I know I always forget. Anyway, 25 years old. She's 26. a man. 26 years yeah, old. see? It's broken. I thought you were 25. Works as a manager at a restaurant. She manages her own place. I mean, it's not. You manage it. Yeah, it's not mine. <laughs> it's not her I own. Don't, but I don't own it. She manages her own place. But anyway, yeah. Amy grew up here, right? No. No, in Fort Collins? Kind of. Did you know? Okay, let's start from the beginning. Where did, where were you? Where'd you grow up? Texas. Okay, and when did you move here? When in like fifth grade. Okay, and then do you have any siblings? I've got a full sibling, and then like two half siblings, and then some like adopted siblings. Okay, so there's four of you guys all together mm-hmm. that grew up in the house. Yeah. And were you close with all them growing up? No. None of them. Mm-mm. Was there a reason for it, or was it just like an age difference? Uh, we were just not similar. Okay, cool. So were your parents together your whole childhood or how did that? Kind of. They like were married and divorced a lot. I actually think they just got remarried. I don't know. I wasn't invited to the last two weddings, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Is it your your biological parents? Yeah. So my parents, they've been on and off fuck, since I don't know. For forever, I would assume if they got so many babies like together and not together. (laughs) So were they married when you were born? I think they were married when I was born, yeah. They got re-divorced again, I think when I was in fourth grade or fifth grade. So that was the first time they got divorced in fourth, when you were like nine? Yeah, something like that. Okay, and then, so did you live with mom half the time and dad half the time? Well, they still lived together. Okay. See, so- this is where I'm so fucked up. I'm like, <laughs> no, this is normal. Okay, so they stayed together. We're going to get into it. That's the thing. If Obviously, with how much you're comfortable with getting into, but they stayed together Yeah. in the house. For like a while, kind of. He'd like moved back to Texas to go stay with someone that was like family, but not family. You know, one of those people that's like, this is my brother, yeah. but it's not your brother. Like his best friend. Yeah, my Papa Harry. That was a very hairy man. It's all very literal. <laughs> We're very literal people. Is it? Is his actual name Harry? No, I don't know what his real name is. Oh. But I just know that when I was younger, I was like, this is a really hairy man. So I was just called him Papa Harry and it just stuck. Papa Harry. Was... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so your dad would go to Texas, stay with him sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you remember this when you were like pretty young, like mm-hmm. in your adolescent years. I feel like nine. Yeah. Okay. Like not too young. 
So you were never that close? Not really. Were any of them close? No. No one was really that Not like really. connected to each other. And was it the same way with your parents? Like, did anybody, were you, was anybody super close with your mom or super close with your dad? Or did it feel like a very distant kind of family dynamic? So for like a little while, yeah, you've got like the like normal, like little kid vibes, like, you know, like little kids, like yeah. their parents and shit. From what you've already told me, I think when you were like pretty young, like 12, 13, 14, you started to kind of go down a path that felt like it was really hard to get out of in terms of, because I remember you saying like you started selling drugs when you were really young yeah, and things like that. So like what led to those moments? Like what would you attribute those moments to? I don't know. I just like, it didn't seem like a bad idea at the time. I mean, I don't know. I like wasn't doing great in school. I wasn't really going, didn't have the interest in it. I was I found out I was pregnant super young and didn't really know what I was going to do with that. And you got pregnant when you were how old? For the... So I got pregnant when I was 15, but I had him when I was 16. So okay. So like over. And that was with your first boyfriend, right? So it wasn't with my first boyfriend, but it was who I, when I had gotten emancipated, that's who I like moved into with when I first got emancipated. Okay. And then what was the reason behind the emancipation? Um... Me and my mom just kind of came to the conclusion that we didn't like each other that much. And okay. It's just kind of not. Okay. So it was you... just like time to go. <laughs> and where was your dad in this moment? Was he just doing his own thing? Or was he also there? You know, I think that they were together at the time. I don't think I liked my dad that much at the time. We didn't really talk much. Was it a thing that felt like, oh, like it's a teen, like my parents suck? Or do you think it was a, ju- a thing of just like, I don't like you guys. Like, we don't have a real awesome relationship. I think I was just, like, trying to deal with my own, like, child traumas that I was going through and, like, my own mental health things that I was trying to work through and they didn't know or really want to support me through it really at all. So I was finding other people to kind of help me through it and finding other people to kind of just like be that role model and like just kind of like have someone to like kind of show me how to like live through my life, I guess, and just like be a grown up because that's what I was trying to do at the time. So are you comfortable talking about any of those like traumas, those early age traumas or no? We don't have to. If you yeah. Don't well, so I had found out in middle school, my one of my older brothers had sexually assaulted someone, essentially. Um, and it was, like, one of his friend's little sisters. So it was something super awful. Um, so, like, DHS got involved super young. And I had to have, like, a lock on my bedroom door for, like, my own thing. Because, like, the state mandated it. Like, anyone under the age of, like, blah, 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 blah. Wow. And, like... It just started so many bad things for me so young. Because then people speculate. And they're like, oh, like that's her and then like that's her brother and then like I couldn't have any of my friends over because they're all little girls you know Mm. so it was like and then it just kind of like went from there and it's just like not a good way to start off like a brand new place like you're new here you don't really have like a lot of people anyways like 10 is such an awkward like adolescent age I don't know I mean I guess not anymore I look at 10 year olds now and I'm like damn like they look so old Okay, that is not what 10-year-olds look like when I was 10, or I was just, like, low par for 10. No, me too. 
So basically that happened and it kind of had a cloud almost like looming over your family. Like it almost seemed like it somewhat maybe ruined a reputation for you guys in in a way. I don't know. It was kind of weird how it spiraled. So like I was the last one to get in trouble, but like <laughs> I definitely like outdid everyone else once I started getting in trouble because like that brother got in trouble and then I think my sister got in trouble for like shoplifting or something stupid after that. And then like the year after that or two years later, my other brother like took a knife to school and I don't really know the details. They didn't really tell me the details because I was so young. Um, so they didn't. Re- that was another thing that just kind of sucked. Like, I don't really know. What I don't happened? really know what caused any of it. Crazy. Um, but like that had happened. And so, like, all of these people were, like, always involved. And, like, there was so many people saying that, like, I don't know. It was just so weird. There was, like, so many therapies for things that, like, I didn't understand. And no one wanted to explain to me. So, like, I felt like I was just, like, going and jumping through all these hoops and loops to, like, get all these people out of trouble for these awful things that they apparently did that I don't even know right. anything about. And it, like, literally changed my whole life and how I was living it because I didn't have time to do anything anymore. I was like 12. So they were putting you in therapy pretty young. So they like, yeah, it was like a whole family thing. Like the state mandated it because of like how young they were when they were getting in trouble. So that's actually how I met my first husband. So you said you met them first baby daddy through high school, high school, middle school. So my then boyfriend introduced me to who was going to become my son's dad. Okay. But we used to hang out at the park by the school, essentially. Very stereotypical. The park by the school is where all the bad kids hung out that didn't want to go to the actual school. Um, But we would always hang out over there. And that's where I met him. And so I started dating this guy. So then when I'd go over to his house, he was staying with the family that I would eventually move in with and become part of their family for a little while. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, gotcha. So you started living with him mm-hmm. for a bit. And then when did you find out that you were pregnant? So I found out I was pregnant when I was 15. So I started having like these like really sharp pains in my stomach. So my real mom had to take me to the hospital because like the paperwork for being emancipated was like still in the works of so like to like have the x-rays and stuff done she had to like come and sign for it because I was still under her insurance at the time for like any like big medical things and until you were 15 yeah until everything had gone through um for like Medicaid and like the state to see you as like an adult there's like so much paperwork and signatures it's all complicated um but anyway she had to come with me so <laughs> I remember making a really bad joke going in there and I was like, surprise, I'm pregnant. And then the doctor was like, oh, you're pregnant. And I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck, that was not the surprise I actually meant. Was but it really it was shocking? Like, it was very shocking. I was not expecting it at all. Oh, my God. Um, but then, How did your mom react? I don't think she did. She was just quiet and then she just like turned kind of red. But if you ever met my mom, she's just kind of naturally red in the face. Like it's just like her pigment in her skin. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah no you could tell that she was just like didn't really know what to think I remember calling I remember calling my son's dad at the time and he was so happy though it was so crazy I couldn't believe it he like didn't have words on the phone 
And but I told him I was on my way. I was like, we'll just talk about it when I get there, you know. And I hung up and like he was waiting outside to meet me, like when I pulled up in the car. And he was so excited. And was Did your like, mom drop you off? Yeah. And he was like, I just want you to know that like I fully support any decision you make. And like was the most welcoming at 15 that like any man has ever been. Like honestly, out of all of my pregnancies, he was the sweetest and like most caring guy. Like, oh, that man is such a gem to the world, honestly. Do you guys still keep in touch or no? I don't really talk to him any much anymore. We were really close for a long time on and off. We, after we like split, we didn't talk for a long time because there was like the breakup drama. And your son's dad was the same age as you? Yeah. Okay, you were both 15. Okay, so you have the baby mm-hmm. and you knew you wanted to have that baby. Yes. Oh, I love the moment. That baby. Okay. Yes, he's amazing. Okay. And this is when you were still living with your boyfriend at the time? Yes. So did his family help out at all? They were super supportive, actually. They were very, very supportive of the whole thing. Um, to the point that they were like, if you just like don't want to be the parent of this baby, like you can have this baby and like we will help take care of it. Like, oh, wow. Literally, like, I think that was the time in my life where I felt the most supported, actually. Like, I think the dynamic of that household, even though it wasn't the greatest and we were definitely living very lower class at the time. Um, I mean, like we didn't have a washer and a dryer and there was like eight of us at a time living in a three-bedroom apartment and we had dogs and we had cats and we were very cluttered and we always had family and friends over and I mean it was like the neighborhood house that you'd go to like you didn't have anywhere to go this is where you were going or like it was the fun house it was the fun house but it was like also like the reliant house like I got kicked out of my house I had nowhere to go like they would take me in like I know even after actually even after I broke up with their son um i had gotten beat up by my husband at the time and i had called them and they came and got me in the middle of the night and they like literally put me in the tub and like got me in jammies and like rode my back and like took care of me the whole time and like put me back together and then obviously they were mad that i went back and (laughs) repeated the cycle but like they were genuinely like the most caring that i think i've gotten that was like from your support like group. anybody, and it was so crazy to have that at like such a young age when like you just genuinely need it. Yeah, especially because you didn't feel like you got that from your parents. Yeah, it you, was kind of crazy. It was just like it's what it was like supposed to feel like. Like that's family versus what you know you were taught was family. Mm-hmm. Not that you know where it, the way you grew up wasn't great, but it seems like that they had a lot more support for your life and your decisions than maybe your immediate family did growing up. Yeah, they definitely did wholeheartedly. Did your, you said that in that house, um, it was pretty low class. What was the social class of your immediate family growing up? Um, It was definitely like lower middle class. I mean, we were never like anything great. I mean, like my mom was always working all the time, full-time hours. And then my dad was, had like some sort of disability. I don't know. He had some like sort of like mental disabilities and stuff. Mental but he didn't issues. really work ever. Okay. So um, it was just your mom. So I think it was the fact of like just not having the two parent income that like if it was a two parent household with a two parent income, it probably would have been. When you got kicked out, was there any feelings like that? Did you feel like you were abandoned at all? Or were you like happy with the way that, you know, things were going at that point? I don't know. I think I was happy at that point. I think while I was living there, I felt abandoned. Um, cause I just 
didn't have what I needed. I was just like alone. Yeah. But I think that once I was moving into this place, my abandonment, I didn't feel it anymore because I was going somewhere that welcomed me. Like they genuinely wanted me there. Obviously, who else would just take in a random 14 year old without like the perks of the state? Like it's different from an adoption. You don't get any of the adoption stuff. You're just. Yeah. Now literally letting someone just live with you. And they were. (laughs) So were they paying for everything? Yeah. I mean, baby stuff. They paid for everything. I mean, they fed me. They like I slept there rent free. I mean, I never. They paid for my school. I mean, like they gave me everything the same amount that they would give their own kids i mean i had the same amount of presents almost at christmas besides like the presents that their dad would send them because she was a single mom and then she had her boyfriend but i mean like she got me clothes for the school year and like when she got the vouchers for her kids she would like use them equally on me and she would make sure i like she had food stamps but she would always ask me like oh like what do you want from the store and when did you and your son's father break up so how soon after the baby we broke up when he was probably like six or eight months old I mean, it definitely wasn't very far into it which was kind of a bummer because i mean i did love that man and he was so genuinely sweet and you could tell like he genuinely cared for me i just i don't know i was going through it mentally and i just didn't feel supported at the time and it was just hard because we're teenagers trying to figure out how to be parents and still be teenagers. So I felt like I was getting up with the baby a lot and like doing a lot of the mom things. And, you know, he'd be playing video games or doing this, that or the other or hanging out with his friends or skateboarding and like teenage things, which totally makes sense. Right. But like, it's weird because in like the woman aspect of that, like not a lot of people want to hang out with like the single mom anymore, you know, like, oh, there's a baby if you come with or like all this stuff. Right. Whereas like, the guy side, they don't see that. It's not like a, oh, it's like a teenage dad, you know? It's like, oh, he could still come and skateboard with us. Why not? He could still come and right hang out with the guys. Why not? But like as soon as I was a teenage mom, it was like, a, oh, we don't want to go to lunch anymore. The baby has the to The baby come. has to come. Or like you can't come on girls night because who's going to watch the baby? Like it's not like a, right. no one thinks of it as like a parent duo it's like a, equal at all she's gonna do it and then oh like he can still come with us and do all these things and it's like what the hell that doesn't make sense yeah the expectations for parents especially when you're so young it's so different i think that if he had a chance to like do things over like he still would be in that baby's life and be 100 percent involved and just like be there with him i mean i don't think that in any point of time he thought to himself and was like i don't want to be his dad yeah, you, you think know? he was always, he always really loved that baby. So you guys broke up. Did he stay living with his family when you guys broke up? So actually, there was like a weird twist of events that happened. So we ended up moving in with my real mom because at this point, she's like super on board. She wants to be a grandma and wants to like be super involved. So okay, we're moving in with her. So I stayed there for not very long, probably about a week after we broke up because it was just very overwhelming because I had started re-talking to who was going to end up being my first husband. Um, and my mom didn't like that very much. and I Did was she like, not like him? No, she didn't. Um, Not at all. I just like, I don't know. I was going through it. I was like emotionally distraught. I just broke up with someone I had a baby with. I'm having like postpartum depression hardcore, which is like a real life thing that like no one tells you about when you're 15 and pregnant that like. Can you talk me through post what your experience with postpartum depression was? 
it's like such a hard thing to like talk you through because like it's it's kind of just like depression you know like it's so hard to explain but like you have this baby that's like inside of you and like even being pregnant is weird because like no one says hi to you anymore first they say hi to your stomach first like you walk into a room nine months pregnant and it's not like hi Amy it's like oh there's the baby like they immediately say hi to your stomach first and then it's you so you're the second person in the room regardless as soon as you're showing that's just how it goes or people find out that you're pregnant which as a pregnant woman is like really sweet at first but then is so annoying after a while because like you are your own person and your baby are they also their own person well as a pregnant child that must be really hard because you're still a kid and now you didn't even get to really finish your childhood without like I'm what I'm 21 right now I can't imagine my life not being like my own and I feel like when you're 14 15 and you're pregnant and people are not even acknowledging really you anymore they're acknowledging the fact that you have a baby inside of you you're like what about me like I'm still I'm still a kid well, I still and have it's a life so weird cuz you're going through like all of your teenage hormones and then you're hit with the pregnancy hormones so like honestly I could totally see why they made a TV show out of this shit it was just weird, especially being such a young... It's weird because you have this baby inside of you and you carry it around and you feel all of its movements and then out of nowhere, it's outside of you. And you have to share that baby with everyone because, you know, you leave the hospital and you go over to a family's place and the first thing that the grandma wants to do is hold the baby and kiss the baby and everyone wants the baby. But, like, you want the baby. It's your baby. Like, mm. you just spent the last 10 months, nine, 10 months, whatever it is, right. carrying this baby and you're the only one supporting this baby and like loving this baby and within days after having it, Seconds. everyone wants him and no one wants to let you hold him anymore and everyone wants, again, to just say hi to the baby. You walk into the room and say, oh, there's the new baby. Right. Your life doesn't Which really feel like it's yours anymore. It's just weird because all you want to do is hold your baby. Or there's other, I've heard of other parents that have like the opposite feeling. Like they don't know what to do with this baby because now it's just there and it wasn't there before. And it's like a whole creature depending on you. And they don't come out looking pretty at all. I mean, like <laughs> he's like purple and he's like covered in this shit that like. you. I know what exactly. you're talking about. Like, it's gross. <laughs> like it's not appealing. And you're just like. Supposed to love this thing. And like, honestly, I did. I was just like, you're kind of funky looking. But like, honestly, like, I love you. Okay. So it was hard, especially when you guys broke up and you were start. you started to see your first husband. Mm -hmm. Things started to get really difficult. You so you met your husband at through therapy. Mm -hmm. What led to the marriage? How did this start? What happened? Um, so. When you're 16 and you break up with someone, you always make that, like, single post, like, on Facebook, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you change your status. So, from... you, like, you change your status and you're, like, from, like, in a relationship or, like, whatever to single. And then everyone that has ever wanted to be in your pants, obviously, like, immediately hits you up. Like, now's my time to hop. Like, back, back in the message. You know, yeah. like... It's the rebound. Everyone wants to be the rebound. So obviously he was there. He's like, pick me. Like, I want to be the rebound. Okay. <laughs> and so he was the rebound. Um, that ended up being a long-term rebound. Looking back at it was probably not my best idea, but I got two beautiful kids from it. So, you know. So he wasn't the best guy. No, but I didn't realize that at the time, clearly. <laughs> so was it after you got married that shit started to go bad? Um... No, things were really, really awful before we got married. Um, How old were you when you guys got married? So we actually 
didn't get married that long ago. We got married right before we broke up, like, permanently. Um, so I think I was, like, 23 or 24. Okay, so you guys met when you were really young then. Yeah, you so were four, I 15, met him 14? when I was... No, I met him when I was, like, 9 or 10. Like, I met him super, super young. Wow. Um, I met him before I met anyone. Like, he actually, long story short, short so in this therapy group, he actually dated my older sister first. Like, way back when. Whoa, did that cause um, any weird drama or no? No, because, like, we didn't, I didn't really think anything of it, nor right. did I have feelings for him at the time. I was just like, oh, it's just, like, another one of my sister's boyfriends. But honestly, she was cheating on him anyway, so I didn't see that lasting very long. So, wait, was he older than you then? Yeah, so not by much. So, he was two years older than me. Okay. So, and then she was, like, four years older. So, she was dating him two years younger than her. I was dating him two years older than me. Okay, gotcha. So you had been dating then from what, the age of 17? So 16? I started dating him when I was 16 and we didn't stop dating until, I mean, we were on and off a lot, but I mean like officially broken up, I think when I was 23. Okay. So things were bad the entire time and you brought up, it got a little bit physical at, po at points. Or pretty physical. Maybe a little bit is kind of undermining what was <laughs> um, actually going down. But Yeah, no, I mean, like, it was definitely not great. It was not good. I mean, like, it didn't start off like that. Um, Like, there was definitely, like, the red flags that, like, you just choose to ignore because you're like, this is great. And it's especially, not great. like, first loves. It's or... not great. Like, you should not ignore those red flags because, like, honestly, they're such huge indicators of, like, manipulation and, like, all of those things. Um, but it was really bad, actually. He, like, I don't think I would ever, like, fully recover from all of the damage that he's done. And, like, it was really awful. And it was just, just stayed awful. And, like, when it wasn't awful, other people were awful because of him. And he just painted such a bad picture of me to other people to, like, make himself look better, essentially. Very manipulative. Um, so, like, it would... I mean, it starts off great. So, like, we started off things, and, like, things were great, and he was super supportive, and he was, like, trying to, you know, help me raise my son, and everything was going great. And then I, like, started working, um, and things started getting kind of weird. Um, so I think he... I think that's when he, like, first started cheating on me. So he was a huge cheater, cheated on me billions of times throughout the whole relationship. Obviously, a huge red flag, you should leave. I did not because I'm not the smartest. Um, so I would like go to work and I'd be gone all day and he would just like act super weird. Um, but he also is the person that got me started on drugs. Um, so when I first got with him, I I hadn't really done any drugs. I would drink a lot. I started drinking really young. I started drinking in like middle school. Um, how were you getting your hands on it? Was it just people older than you that were able to? Oh man, honestly, I'm very surprised at how easy it was to get alcohol in middle school. I don't know anyone that could not find alcohol if they really wanted to okay. that hard. <laughs> like, it was common. You could just walk down the block and like someone would buy it for you. And like, honestly, I was a somewhat set up little girl. I mean, I had a really big chest at the time and I was a pretty little blonde girl. I mean, people would just do whatever. It's not really that hard to get alcohol. <laughs> right. Um, but I, like, started drinking really young and, like, 
we did party drugs every now and then. Like I did cocaine, I did acid, like I had done mushrooms. As like, like a young girl, like in yeah, middle school? for sure. Oh, wow. You um, were doing it really young. Oh, yeah. No, I just like thought that was like the normal. I didn't realize until like I was older and I would like talk about it that like that wasn't just like, okay. Like, <laughs> You're like, yeah, you guys did coke too in middle school, right? And everyone's that's like. That's normal. <laughs> and everyone's like, what? And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, like I used to like. Actually, that's probably where a lot of things started off was in middle school because I, I met this kid. And we used to always, like, go around and go car hopping and like, go around and see which cars were unlocked and steal all the shit inside, right? This was in middle school? Fucking, yeah. Oh. So, in middle school, I was, like, a whole lost personality. Like, I didn't know shit about myself. I just knew that, like, I really liked to draw and, like, that's what I would do. I was that, like, weird little kid in the back of the classroom that would, like, draw my little doodles. And then this new girl had started and her name was Larissa. And she got sat next to me in classroom. And I honestly don't think that I liked her at first. Now that I look at it, I don't think that we liked each other. Um, But I was reading out loud in science class and I accidentally said orgasm instead of organism. (laughs) It's just classic something that you do as a classic like middle school kid. Um, But mine was genuinely an accident. um, And we laughed really hard about it. Ha ha ha. Blossomed this wonderful friendship that we had. Um, So I went over to her house a lot and a lot of them smoked weed and smoked cigarettes and all that stuff and I had a little bit because the first time I smoked weed was with like my sister and her ex-boyfriend I think in like fourth grade I was working on this science fair project it was so cool I was for these cryogenic roses I was like freezing this shit um, I actually don't really remember much of that because I remember that was about as far as I got and then I got high with my sister for the first time and I just was fucking stuck on stupid and we ended up watching indiana jones like the whole night um, you have a good memory i think that i didn't end up doing that science project anymore i think i got in trouble with my mom because she was like you were supposed to be over there doing that and what did you guys do the whole time and smoking getting high and watching like, indiana oh jones. i was smoking weed mom <laughs> in fourth grade i'm sorry i shouldn't have done that okay so you started probably because of your older siblings they introduced you to mm-hmm. weed and alcohol so my older sister's boyfriend introduced me to weed. So it wasn't even my sister's idea. It was her her boyfriend's idea. He's like, you know, it would be funny. If we got her high. Let's get this little girl high. What, a, what an awful influence. And why was she just like, yeah, okay, I'm done. So anyways, that was like the first time I smoked weed. So I was like, not against it by any means. So then when I went over there, I was like, oh, look. Like, to Larissa's. Yeah. So there's other people that like to smoke weed at my, my age. I was like, oh, look. Like, oh, these are my people. These are my people. <laughs> <laughs> So we ended up, so her and her brother, so her brother was friends with like a whole bunch of people in the neighborhood and like everyone from this middle school that was like, I don't know, everyone that was like in my group, maybe it was they were in my group because we all lived in the same neighborhood or that's just how it ended up working out. But we all lived in the same neighborhood essentially besides me. I would just go over there all the time. I just like made myself live over there. Okay. This was when you were still pretty young. Yeah. So this was still in middle school. So that's. That's where I met, like, everyone that was going to, like, root for, like, the rest of my life, pretty much. That's where I met my oldest son's dad. That's where I met, like, my longest girlfriend that I've ever had. That's where I met my best friend that I had for, like, 10 years. Like, literally everyone that I was going to, like, meet over the next course of, like, the 15 years I was going to meet, like, in that neighborhood, essentially. And, like, didn't know that yet. Interesting. Um, So that's where I met 
this guy who I would go car hopping with. And we'd always go car hopping, like all of us all together. And this one night, I think everyone else was grounded or something. Their parents were being extra strict. They couldn't get out of the house. So I went with him and we went car hopping and someone left their keys inside. So we stole this person's car. Um, and everything went fine, actually. We like drove around, la-da-da-da-da. We did that a couple of times. Well, obviously, eventually you get caught. Um, so that's how I caught my first charge. So, And how my, old were you when you got So it first? was my first summer, I think is what it was, of middle school. So you were you were like 12. So yeah, so it was my second year of middle school. I was going back with the charge because I was in Platte Valley, which is like your juvenile detention facility for like a week or two over like the summer or whatever while they were like doing the court stuff obviously so like while they're like figuring out your sentencing or whatever so then when I get out of Platte Valley I get released on ankle monitor um and so like that's a little thing that goes around your ankle it's got the big black box how long were you on that for so I was on that for I think it was supposed to be six months but I got in more trouble so it ended up being a year what'd you get in more trouble for so I think I got in trouble for shoplifting is what it was okay Okay, so stole a couple cars, got mm-hmm. caught, first charge. Then you were shoplifting, got in trouble again. Mm-hmm. Eventually, they took it off, right? I mean, so I eventually the ankle monitor came off, and then I stayed on probation. So when I got caught and got like re in trouble, I was still like on my pre-trial phases, essentially. So it's like before you actually get sentenced. So when you're like going to court. And you go to jail. And I think it's pretty much the same whether it's like the kitty jail or the big jail. Wait, so you were in jail? Child jail. It's plat. So it's like the kid jail. So it's like juvie. Yeah. It's juvie. Kind okay. of. Okay, gotcha. You like go there and like they have like a cell and then like the thing that you sleep on. But you still go to school and stuff, which is kind of fucked up. Like even during the summer, which I thought was stupid because then you're in summer school. You know? so Which you... I guess you're not going to have summer anyways because you're in fucking jail. But like why do I still have to go to school? So were you walking around school with this ankle monitor on? Yes. Where, was, well, you have to. Were there a lot of other kids you with the same thing considering? No. Oh, it was just you. Well, there was the guy I got arrested with. <laughs> so everyone <laughs> everyone knew. Everyone was like, these are these are the kids that got arrested for stealing. For sure. Okay, so you get off of that, and were you still getting into trouble after that kind of... So I stayed out of trouble for a while, probably because, well, you know, you're on ink monitor and you have to... And, like, I was doing pretty good for a while, so when that happened, my probation officer made me get into, like, school activities and stuff. So, like, honestly, like, I had gotten my shit together for a second, so I started, like, going to my classes and... I was getting like reasonable grades. I think I was like a solid B student, which is not bad. That's good. Um, And then I had joined the softball team. So I was doing softball stuff. And so like doing the after school activities like I was supposed to because it was that or go home. So I was like, fuck that. I'm going to do some after school shit. Like, why not? Yeah. Um, So I like did the I did like softball and stuff for a while and did that stuff. And then once the softball season was over, I had like been out of trouble long enough to be able to get my ankle monitor off. So that was really as long as I needed to stay out of trouble for anyways, was just to be able to like not be at my house anymore, like to where I could get in trouble and like go back to the child jail essentially is what it was. You So you said you started selling drugs shortly after you had your first baby or was mm-hmm. that when? So I started selling weed right after my first baby because my mom needed help paying bills. So essentially I went to my mother and I was like, yo, mom, like... Genius here. Um, you know how much money I spend every week, every week on weed. You know I could just 
get rid of that bill right there if I just sold it and then I could just smoke the difference. It's the whole little businessman plot to my mother. I was spieling it like I was some fucking genius, the first person to ever discover selling weed. Tell that to the man I was buying the weed from, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, so was your mom on board? Was she oh, like, yeah, no, she was super on board. Okay, so, so she was cool with it, she was even like, though you were game. 15. Yeah, so she was 16. I was going to pay her bill. 16. She was game for this. So I was like, this is the idea. Like, I spend, I smoke a lot of weed. So I was like, I spend, you know, X amount on money. I was buying like an ounce a week at the time, which was a lot for me. That um, was a lot. I was like a little teenager. So we were buying a lot. And that was like a lot of the problems and stuff was like always coming up with like the money for weed and stuff. So you would, I was like, brilliant, let's just cut out that bill. Let me just start selling weed. I can just get myself high. I can make my money back as long as, as long as you're making enough money to like make your money back and you're not missing out, you know, whatever. Um, So that's essentially where it all started was just like that. So you were helping her pay the bills after you were emancipated? Mm Mm-hmm. What a good daughter you were. So I realized (laughs) after I was emancipated, so it got like super hairy for a while, so we had like all broken up and then there was the whole custody battle, obviously, because that was bound to come eventually when it was like, whose baby is it? Um, so Jacob wanted the baby. And so for a little while, when I had moved out, my mom wasn't letting me take Leo as our son. So she wasn't letting me take Leo with us, with me, um, because I was still a minor and I was smoking weed. So I was under the influence because obviously she had that on me. She knew I was selling drugs. So Gotcha. What am I going to do? Like have her call the cops on me for being a drug dealer? Like, no, I'm mm. going to fucking leave and just fucking fight it out with her. So we're going into a custody battle. Um, and she's like not letting me take my son. So I call my son's dad and I'm like, yo, like this is what's happening. So him and his mom go over there and they take him because legally she can't stop them. Um, but like technically she could stop me. Like I'm still legally right, a minor as far as the state goes, and I'm still selling drugs. Right, but he's just as much a parent. (laughs) Yeah, because he's, like, biologically on the birth certificate and stuff. So they go over there, and he has his legal guardian with him that says, absolutely, yes, we're taking this baby, like, no problem. So they end up with him for a little while. So my mom calls DHS, and it's like it all gets involved, and they're trying to figure out, like, who the custody of this baby belongs to, essentially. So, like, that's where it gets all kind of hairy. So eventually he actually ends up with Jacob for a while. I don't know. Jacob's the first. So Jacob's the dad. The dad, yeah. Um, and he ends up with Jacob and his mom for quite a bit of time, actually. I'm not sure how anyone weaseled their way out of Jacob having Leo as the dad. I actually don't remember how that happened. But I know that eventually he ends up with me and he's staying with me for a while. And I'm not quite sure how it happened, but I know I got him back somehow. So, okay, so this was around 16 17 mm-hmm. um you start selling drugs to or selling weed mm-hmm. um and that was really it pretty harmless mm-hmm. obviously it kind of screwed you over in terms of having custody over your son at the point at that point but then eventually your your son ends up being in your mother's care right so eventually like that's where he's at now and that's where he's gonna like forever stay because i signed like legal documentation stating that so did that happen that was happening then years after, or how how soon did that so, kind of go into effect when after you met your first husband? So that, it all gets so complicated, girl, honestly. I know, so I'm like, this story is... My son has been in and out of so many people's households. Like, it's honestly one of those sad stories. Like, he bounced um, from, like, he bounced, like, from, like, us to, like, his dad to, like, my mom to me and my husband to, like, 
my sister and her husband to like back to me to like back to my mom before like it was literally just awful like this poor child went through it and he's thriving and it's just like a beautiful child now which i cannot how believe. old is he now so he's 10 now okay which is super great um but he's in like the honor roll at school and wow. like he like gets straight a's and he hasn't missed a single day this year and like He's a good kid. He's like such a good kid. He's so crazy how it like the whole world just like turns around for people like that. It's just so crazy. It's crazy. Um, so d- you don't, I guess we could get into that in a minute, but. So, okay. So essentially what happened was I left my mom's house and I didn't leave with my son. So there was like a whole custody battle. That's where like the first custody battle started because the custody battle opened and closes like 10 times before I finally like completely lose custody of all of my kids besides the one that I have. And why, what was the main reason you lost custody? Was it because of the weed? So for that time? Yeah. So that time I never officially lost custody. So that time I actually won the fight. So I don't really quite know how I won that fight, but I won that fight. So I won, I think out of all the times DHS has been called on me, they've been called like seven times. And I won every single time besides the last one. And why did you, why was he taken from you on that last one? So the last one I... Essentially, so when you have your kids taken from your home, they give you, like, a timeline to, like, get your kids back into your home and to, like, prove that you're a fit parent, essentially. So, but both parents have to prove that they're fit parents. So, it didn't really matter how good of a person I made myself. The person that I was married to sucked. He still sucked. So, there was no fixing that. Okay. So, ultimately, there was no getting my kids back while I was with this person, but then when I had asked DHS, I was like, yo, so if I, like, leave this person, then, like, could I get my kids back? And they were like, well, no, not technically, because since you asked us, if you leave this person, it's going to look like you're only leaving this person long enough to get your kids back. So it, they didn't trust you. It was one of those. Well, even if you leave him, are you actually leaving him? Because you said that you were going to leave him all these other times when he was doing all these crappy things and you never did, essentially. So he was unsafe, basically, Pretty to much. the child. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I don't think he was really safe to really anyone. I'm like, he, yeah, no, he wasn't safe. Okay. And then you just said kids. So did you end up having kids with him as well? Yeah. So I have two kids with him. Okay. When did you have those kids with him? Was it before the marriage? Yeah. So we had both of our kids before we were married. We didn't get married until right before we split up, like right, right before we split up. I don't honestly know why we got married. I think I was just high. You said that he was the reason you kind of got onto drugs. Yes. How did, if you feel comfortable, how did that kind of streamline? I don't really know how it all started, but essentially it was along the lines of he was doing drugs and I was sober. And there was like this weird difference that happens when you're sober and the person that you're with isn't because your schedules are completely off. Like, so... He he was doing meth, so it's a very hardcore drug, obviously. So the one of the perks of doing meth is you stay up all the time and you don't sleep. Um, and you're skinny and you don't eat and it's just one of those things. So he was just like on a different track and I was always waking up and he was never there and like blah, blah, blah. But like it just sounded like so much fun because like I, I did cocaine and I was like, cool, I love fucking staying up all night, fucking doing a bunch of cocaine. Like, why not? I've done acid. Cool, I stay up all night doing acid. Like, it can't be, like, what... What's one more? What's so different about this drug, you know? And, like, you hear growing up, like, oh, this drug is bad, you know? And you're like, oh, don't ever do that. But then you do it. And you're like, oh, that's great. So it's like smoking weed. Like, oh, don't smoke weed. That's 
bad for you. So you smoke weed. Right. And then <laughs> they're like, oh, don't do acid. Don't do mushrooms. Then you do them. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is great. Why was everyone saying no to this? And then eventually it gets to the point where there's certain drugs where everyone decides, including the grownups. And they're like, no, like you don't. You don't do these ones. Well, you know, eventually some people, obviously, because people are addicted to it, get curious. And you're like, oh, like, why? Like, why not these ones? Like, what's so different? So I wanted to find out, obviously. And I did it. And I found out what was so different. I mean, you're just. The first time you did it, was it like, whoa? Like, did you did you know, like, I'm not going to. I don't know. I was just like the first time I did it. I was just like so in tune, I thought, with like everything. So like I had stayed up all night and I drew this like masterpiece dude it was so cool I drew like this whole little mushroom village out of like these like little mushroom caps and like made like little houses out of them and like literally it was a whole village and I did a whole canvas and I worked on it I don't think I got off that couch for 48 hours I literally just worked on it and my boyfriend at the time like brought me snacks and stuff and like it was a super, super trap house. And I didn't realize it at the time because I just moved in. So I did not realize that I was living in the middle of like just fucking like the drug point to be. So I really didn't have to go very far to get really anything I needed. I just sat on the couch. So were your kids born yet with him at this point or no? No, not yet. So when you got pregnant, were you still addicted to meth? So when I found out I was pregnant the first time... Actually, both times. Yeah. No, for sure. I was hardcore using. So when I found out I was pregnant, I immediately stopped. Okay. Um, Was that really hard? Surprisingly, no, it was not. I literally just stopped. I was just like, I'm I'm having a baby. Like, I need to, like, get my shit together. (laughs) Um, And they test you, obviously, throughout your pregnancy. And I was like, I don't want to lose this baby. Like, that's crazy. Like, I was on a really good routine with my first son at the time. Like, he was living pretty much with everyone at the time like we were all in like a very set routine like everyone was getting to see him everyone was like kind of co-functioning like as best as you can co-function as people that don't want to be sharing a kid that are sharing a kid so this so the people (laughs) with that were sharing leo your first Mm -hmm. one were was your biological mother your sister his father So not at first so at first it was just me and then his dad and my mom because he still lived with like his mom and stuff so like everyone pretty much still lived with like the majority of the family that wanted to see him okay so then i have jesse and i'm like getting my life together we're doing really good um is your boyfriend or your boyfriend at the time still doing meth so i didn't think so but yes he was so at the time i didn't know um well i was probably lying to myself I probably knew because you just fucking know. Right. Um, But I was lying to myself. So, no, I did not know. Okay. (laughs) Um, My son ended up having this stomach condition called pyloric stenosis, I think is how you pronounce it. But essentially, the like, I think it's your esophagus. The tube from your mouth to your stomach was too small. So, anytime I would feed him, he would throw it all back up just like dramatically. Like he just couldn't keep any of his food down. And so he ended up getting malnourished and he ended up getting really sick and they immediately admit him. And he's got a respiratory infection and a viral infection. And he's like nine pounds and he's three months old. Like he's just like not doing hot. So they like immediately put these feeding tubes down his stomach and flight for life into the children's hospital. Like, Literally, like, my child's, like, going to die. 
he comes out to the hospital, my son's dad, and we're hanging out there and like trying to get like my baby under control or whatever. So while we're out there, we're spending, we were in Denver for like two days. So my son's dad starts coming down off of the drugs that he was on. And I didn't know that he was on drugs at the time. So he starts getting like super hostile in this children's hospital um, to the point that the nurses actually had to kick him out. So he was no longer allowed in the children's hospital. So he got escorted out and I was left there in Denver with my baby. And I stayed there with him for probably about a week. I just stayed. I didn't leave the room. I didn't leave his side. I just stayed there with him. Um, and he had gotten kicked out. So he was coming back down a couple of days later because we were talking about getting discharged and stuff. So he was driving a car that had bad plates on it. So essentially he had like bought in a car from his friend and put the plates from one of our old cars that we had that he had crashed onto it. So it was not legal. So it was okay. false plates essentially is what I'm getting at. False plates on this car driving down to Denver. So he gets pulled over and turns out he has a warrant for I don't fucking know what at the time. Something stupid probably. Um, or... I don't know. Maybe it was for driving on a revocation again because he also wasn't supposed to be driving. He had like three or four driving on a revocations. Wow. Um, so essentially, long story short, is he goes to jail. And he stays in jail. So he ends up getting sentenced to jail for like six months. Wow. So while like, you I'm, had this baby. I'm in the hospital with my son and he's almost dying. And so I get out of jail and I don't know what to do. And I don't have child care because my child care is now in jail. So... That's how that all happened. It's all starting to make more sense now that I'm walking back through it. So. I know. You're like, I haven't thought about this in years. My brain blocked it I out. I really did. So <laughs> after that, so that's how I moved back in with my mom. So I moved back in with my mom and I needed to get like a better job because I was working at the gas station at the time, but it wasn't enough for like what I needed to do to get done. So my best friend at the time was like, come come work with me and she worked at five guys so i was like cool i'm gonna go work at this burger joint zero experience so i go and work at this burger joint and i mean i didn't really mind it i was just like working at any other like kind of like fast-paced restaurant, restaurant i guess yeah. i was didn't know that it was opening the door like all the burger places i was soon to be working at <laughs> so i start working there with her and I still just wasn't making enough money because I needed to support my child and pay for rent and still like be a teenager. And I had just bought in a car and I needed to make car payments and insurance payments and like pay for my child's formula. And he had the stomach issues. So his formula was like $40 a can for no wow. reason. And like diapers are expensive. So like literally just trying to like be a mom. So how they say moms have to work two jobs if they're like single mothers. Totally accurate because you literally have to pay someone to watch your child the same amount pretty much that you're getting paid. So then you have to get a second job to pay all the other stuff that you need to pay. Oh my God. Especially when you're 17. So, so much. I do. get a second job at Red Robin and I'm working there and I end up working there for a very long time. I think I end up working there for like five years or something like that. I end up loving it and being really good at it after so long. So I'm like going and I'm getting this job and then I get this other job and I'm getting on my feet. So like I'm sober. My babies are happy. I'm like building this relationship with my mom. Like things are starting to go great. Like I'm becoming like an adult. At this point, sorry to cut you off. At this point, are you still with the uh, your first husband? Yeah. So he's in jail and I'm still with him. Okay. So we're doing like the obviously like the through jail relationship. But like, man, I was having a great time. Like I really was. Like I... Wasn't pursuing anyone, which was nice. But, like, I was just, like... You were doing your own I thing. I was just living a life. Like, I had really good friends. I had 
my best friend that I met in elementary school, both of them, and we were doing great. So she also had a baby about the same time as me. So I was paying her actually to be my babysitter. So we would pay her and then I would go to work with one friend and then we were paying this other friend to watch my child and then I'd go to work and then we did it off and we would all hang out together and it was a good time and I've known them all for so long and it was like a super good thing minus the fact that we eventually all started doing cocaine and then we realized that we all liked doing hard drugs together so it all turned into something awful once we all okay so I rolled down that hill so after your second kid mm-hmm. was or before when you got pregnant you were like okay I'm done with drugs mm-hmm. was this when you got back into it so roughly so I stayed sober the whole time and then my husband gets out of jail so then he's reintroduced into the picture um so that's kind of where it like had all started up so right before he got out of jail I was just doing like cocaine every now and then. It was just like a here and there thing. Just like a oh, party thing. Party yeah. thing. Like, yeah, teenager party. Like, mom's got the baby on a Saturday night. Do some <laughs> cocaine. Um, we decide that once he's out of jail, we don't want to live with my mom anymore because it's obviously not big enough for all of us anymore. So we move back into the place that we moved out of right before I moved in with my mom's. Right. And this is where things start getting like kind of crazy. So. We all start doing drugs again because it was me and him and then my friend all like doing drugs. So shit started going downhill Mm -hmm. because of that, because everybody was doing drugs again. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know this at the time, but he was selling some sort of pills or something for our downstairs landlord. So we were moving, we were living with this guy who we had met off of Craigslist and I didn't know... I was always kind of out of the loop. He kept me out of the loop on a lot of things. But he had some sort of business deal going on with the dude downstairs that he was not following through on. So the dude called DHS, essentially, and was like, yo, drugs are happening. Um, So that's where DHS gets involved again. um, And all of that stuff starts happening. They, like, come and they yank custody of the kids. So they put them with... I want to say they put them with my mom at the time while they were trying to, like figure it out about like the drug accusations or whatever it was that was happening okay okay so they put both the kids with your mom so kind of sort of so jacob still had leo half the time and then your mom had leo the other half so she ended up getting in the other half of the time that i was normally having him because it was the split custody so they go there for a while and we're like battling it out and i think that that's i ended up back at my husband's dad house, which was the trap house. So we ended up back there for a little while um, while we're going to court. And then while we're in court, I had, I don't know how it all came out, but essentially while we were in court, they granted me a guardian at litem, which is essentially like your parent when you don't have parents for court purposes. So they're like your lawyer. That's also your guardian, essentially. Like this person literally is just about you. You don't have to pay them anything. They are literally there just to, like, make sure you're taken care of in court. So her name was also Amy, ironically. So Amy had did a bunch of digging while we're going through this court stuff because they're trying to prove why I shouldn't have my kid and I'm trying to prove why I should have my kid, right? Right. So they're, like, digging through a bunch of shit and they realize that... They realize that my mom's essentially collecting Social Security for me even though I'm not in the home and has been for, like, three years. Because you had been emancipated. Because I have been emancipated. So... So she was committing fraud. Fucking hella fraud. So... Um, my attorney, my guardian at Lightem, Amy, was like, you have to pay 
all of that money back to her that you had claimed. So she was claiming me on all this shit and getting all kinds of money for me that I obviously was not getting. So once I found that out, we like reopened up all those books and she had to pay for a lot of stuff. So we were back at this trap house, which is where all the mess was being sold. Okay. Is where it was. So that's where we were at. And I was selling weed. And then, so I was selling weed. And then my dad at the time, he had back surgery for his spine or something like that. I don't know. He's always having all kinds of crazy surgeries done for something like awful. <laughs> his like body's just failing him essentially. But he got some really banging prescriptions. So he got like Oxycontin, like the good shit, like the little blue pills that were like this little 30 milligrams. And I was selling weed essentially at the time so i as a manipulative person that i was at the time was like yo i will trade you weed for your pills because he doesn't like taking pills because he didn't like the way they made him feel so he would keep enough that he would need to like actually like get rid of the pain and he would just give me the rest of them and trade for weed but i would just hella underball this man i mean i give him like two dollars a pill and then i would take those and i would sell them but then I could also just trade all my weed for other things. So essentially, I was always just a weed dealer, and then I would, like, trade pills and stuff. So, like, I never got into, like, the selling of hard drugs because I made really good money selling weed. But when I have my second son, I think is what it is. So I catch another felony when I first turn 18 because I get caught selling weed because I'm living out of this trap house. So in this trap house, there's like a lot of cartel stuff that's actually going down, like all the major stuff for like the major drugs that is happening. So there was like this sting that had been happening on our house. So there was like this like Comcast van down the road. that's like not actually like a Comcast van. It's like one of the police vans and like this huge sting that's happening on our house. And I, I don't know, everyone's being all fucking paranoid, but everyone's always paranoid when you're on a lot of drugs. Honestly, that's just like the vibe that you give off is paranoia. It's just like one of the... Right, symptoms. So anyways, everyone's all paranoid. I don't think anything of it. It's like right before Valentine's Day. So I like pack up all my weed. I was like waiting for my friend to come over so that I could sell her some weed so that I could leave to go buy my son some Valentine's Day presents. And I get pulled over by these cops because they think that I have this person that they're looking for that they've been trying to track down in the trunk of my car, essentially. <laughs> and she's not in the trunk of my car, but they thought that she was. So they pull me over and they're searching my car because they're looking for her. So while they're searching my car, they find all my weed. Um, at the time, weed is very still much so illegal. And I had probably like two or three ounces on me at the time. And I had like 30 or 60 pills or something like that of my dad's oxycotton and I had a bunch of baggies and like scales and light I mean like I I had all the stuff I was like a fucking walking present for those cops with like a little bow on top of my car <laughs> um, essentially is what it was so they pulled me over and they find the jackpot minus what they were actually looking for they found everything else um, but they were also looking for hardcore drugs so they obviously got the wrong dealer because I'm the weed dealer of the house so I do drugs and i do a lot of hardcore drugs but i just got high for free so they so, catch you and you get charged with a felony they catch me and i get charged with a felony we're like taking it all to court so originally i was looking at like five years in prison so that was when i got in my charge and then i had found out 
I don't remember what it was. I think I found out I was pregnant. Yeah, I found out I was pregnant. So I ended up getting a better plea deal because they didn't want to send a pregnant woman to prison. So I ended up getting like two or three years of probation and had to pay a whole bunch of money and I had to do like 100 hours of community service and a whole bunch of other things. And I had to like do UAs three times a week and go to like all these different therapies and stuff that they make you do when you're on probation. But essentially I just... Had to do a bunch of probation instead of go to prison, which was super cool. So, so you got out of it with the second child. You go on probation and then you have another kid with him. Yeah. Okay. So you have a second child with this guy. And mm-hmm. then how soon after you have the second child do you get married? Not for a long time. We don't get married until we give up the custody of our kids. Actually. And, and why did you have to give up the custody of the children? So I gave up custody of my child, children, actually. I gave up custody because I didn't at the time think that I was strong enough as a person to leave the situation I was in. I was not strong enough. I, like, become content, I guess. Not content. Like, I wasn't happy. But, like, it was just my routine. It's what I would become accustomed to. So, like, I knew that with the life that I felt like I was stuck in and I wasn't strong enough to get out of, that they weren't going to get the life that they needed. And the more I kept fighting it and putting them through it, it was just really more traumatizing for them because I wasn't being consistent. So I would show up for my visits and I would do really good and I'd get all the way to where I was having overnights with them. And then I would get in a fight with their dad and everything would blow up and then I'd get really hurt and get sent to the hospital or cops would get called. Physically. Yeah. So... Essentially how it would go is like we were in a really bad relationship and he'd beat me up all the time, but I would never call the cops because what happens is if you call the cops, then all of the systems are entangled. So anytime that I would call the cops, then the cops would notify DHS that there was another thing happening. So then they would come and they would restart all the stuff over going on that I had with my kids. So if I had just started getting overnights, but then I called the cops and said, hey, my husband just punched my face through a wall, you know, then they're not going to let me keep my overnights, then they're going to restart the whole thing. Whoa, now your house is unsafe, so you have to start all over. So you don't call the cops. You just keep it going. And then because you want to be with your kids and you want to be their mother and you don't want to give them up. But also, also battling an extremely abusive relationship. That was hard to But you can't of. leave the relationship either because everyone's right. like, oh, well, like, why don't you just leave? But like, I didn't have friends because... I didn't have friends. I mean, like, I had all the people that I sold weed to, but, like, those aren't your friends. You know, those are just customers. Those are customers. That is your clientele. So there's very different things between, like, your clientele and your actual friends. And, like, I didn't have any actual friends at the time because I was a mom, and then I was a drug addict, and then by then I didn't have any social stuff. I wasn't really going to school or doing anything. I didn't have friends that weren't also his friends, but when we're fighting... He's telling all these people what an awful person I am and all these reasons why I'm so awful. So then these people think I'm awful. Right. So then who do you leave to? You don't leave to anybody. You don't have anywhere to go. You don't have a support. So you don't have family. You don't have a safe place to take your kids. You don't have money because you're on the same bank account. So they take all your money as soon as the money hits. So they're in control of all the money, even though you make all the money. Like there's no. So eventually you're just like, I got to give them up. There's no, there's literally nothing else I could do. So what had happened was someone had broken into our house and like attempted murdered us essentially is what had happened. Oh my God. So 
Do you know who it was? It was like super traumatic. Yeah. So it was a family friend. So it was my sister-in-law's boyfriend before before she passed away, essentially, is what it was. So he had broken in to my house because me and my ex-husband had been split up for a while. Um, so I was like on track again. <laughs> right. Um, and so like I had like finally put my foot down and like we had been separated for probably like six months. I was like determined i was like i'm going to get these kids back you know i'm like doing really good at my job i'm trying to get this promotion trying to be a manager at red robin and like i'm doing the things and like signed my first lease on my own as like an adult and it was like this super shitty one bedroom apartment i was so excited because we had been homeless and i'm in my own apartment and he moves in with this guy and i don't know what they are doing besides drug things, obviously, what I'm trying to avoid is what they are doing. And all this drama happens with this other guy. And I don't know what it was. But looking back on it, it probably had to do with drugs or something else. He just did something to this man that made this man so fucking berserk. Because all I know is I get home from work one day and we decide that we're going to go out to dinner because I've been cooking all day because I'm a line cook. And I think we went somewhere shitty like Applebee's or something quick. And you're like the two for 20. And I remember we got home and we were putting on the TV. He was putting on fucking like Criminal Minds or something like that. I was so into that shit. Like NCIS. So into it. Can't go wrong. Um, And I was loading a bowl of weed. And like all I hear is this like boom. And this dude like breaks in our door. And it's just fucked. It's just fucked up. It's very, like, traumatizing, and it was very traumatic. And essentially, he just, like, took this baseball bat to the side of my ex-husband's skull and just, like, smashed in his skull. And it was, like, super traumatic. So I have, like, two options. I can run out my fucking front door and just be like, what? Fucking peace? (laughs) Or I can, like, try and help this dude, obviously, who's, like, getting beaten up with this baseball bat. So I try and help him. So I, like, throw my body on top of this man, and I'm like kicking at this guy who has his baseball bat and is like swinging it and he's hitting me with it it's just super awful so it's all super awful and i'm screaming obviously like someone does so eventually the dude leaves because i don't know he hears like the neighbors say he has a gun or something some stupid shit makes this dude leave the house obviously so the dude leaves and i like crawled to my phone and called the cops for help so i called the cops and then the neighbors called the cops and then the cops come and it was just like super shitty but after that i had to go through court for all of that that had happened and I was like kind of like reliving it so I'm like going through all this stuff with the courts and I am like sinking it all in like that's my life and so then like I was going to court and my mom had told me that she was also going to take me to court for full custody of my kids at the time all three all three um, so I'm going to court for this dude that just tried to murder me and my ex essentially at the time. And then I'm also getting threatened to go to court to fight for my kids again for like the eighth time with like everything else going on. Um, so I remember I like went to this court date my dad had taken me and they were like going over all the charges and stuff essentially on like what the allegations were. I don't know. But like I remember leaving court and I was just like distraught. And so my dad literally, like, took me from the courthouse to 
the bank because the bank is where they have notaries and you need a notary to sign like these adoption papers and pretty much just like looked at me in the car and was just like you you need to sign your kids over to me and i was just like you're fucking right to your dad to my dad and my mom because they're remarried at the time so like they're they're like a group unit essentially got it so he takes me and was just like this is like what you need to do and I just like looked at him and I was like, but like, but like, why? Like, why can't I be their mom? You know? And he just like looked at me and was like, like, tell me that you can be. And I, I couldn't. <laughs> oh my God, that's so hard. And so he was like, just like, tell me why you can be their mom. And I just, I didn't have a single answer for him. I was like, I don't have anything. Like, I don't have, like, I had a house and it's gone. And then I had a job, but I can't work because I have a fracture in my femur. So like, that's not going well. And I just, like, couldn't come up with a single reason that wasn't selfish to keep them in my custody. So I was like, fucking, you're right. And I just signed them over. Oh, my God. I think, like, looking back at it, I don't regret it. Like, they're for sure, like, it's so hard to put into words. But, like, they have so much. And, like, I could not have given them that anytime soon. Like, anytime soon. I can give that to my son now. But this is... I mean, this is years later. I mean, my son's two and I can give him a very good life and I'm very self-sustaining. But even then, I wasn't even that self-sustaining until like a year ago. So, so I did. I signed him over and pretty much like immediately afterwards, I want to say within a month or two, my mom moved him out to Missouri and I haven't seen him since. I haven't talked to him since. In like three years. Mm -hmm. Would you say that was probably the hardest decision you've ever had to make in your whole life? Um... Yeah, it was super awful, and I, like, stayed, I tried to stay in contact, so I was, like, supposed to be able to go out there and see them, essentially, is what it was, but after I signed the adoption paperwork, my mom had changed her mind, essentially, was what it was, so she has just decided that it was going to be more toxic for me to be in the picture than to just not be in the picture at all, so... I, I don't think my kids really know who I am anymore. So after that, did you, was that when you quickly ended things then with your then husband? So I actually did not end things with him. <laughs> That's fucked up. No, he left me for sure. So, so he was in the hospital and he had to have surgery to get his skull put back into his head. Um, so I was going to work, and then after work, I'd go to the hospital, and I'd stay with him in the hospital, and that was my routine. And then after the hospital, we had moved out and moved in with his brother down in Greeley, which was not a good choice, but it was our only choice. But his brother does drugs, so as soon as we're out of the hospital, he's back on drugs. <laughs> so he had told me after everything he didn't understand like why I was still there trying to help him and I was like I don't know like what more I can literally go through to show you that like I just want to like support you through whatever this is because for some reason I think that you can still be a great person because like I knew you before you were on drugs and you, you had hope. We're like such a genuinely good guy. And I'm like, you know, why can't you still be this great guy that like I know that you can be? So he was just like, well, then why aren't we married? And I was like, 
Well, okay. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Let's go get married then. If that's what, after all of these years, is like what's preventing you from believing. So we get married. Which and this was, is in 2020? It, yeah. He literally leaves me like a month later. But when he leaves me, so he leaves me in this weird way. So he literally just gets on a plane and moves to Portland, Oregon. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) So wait, do you think that maybe the reason why you stayed with him partially had to do with the fact that at that point you felt like you had nobody? Like you said, your friends didn't really feel like they were your friends. You know, your parents had kind of cut you off with your children. Do you think that one of the reasons why you were so adamant about staying with this man despite the abuse, despite the the addiction, was because of the fact that you're like, this is all I have left at that point in your life? I mean, I think I was just like complacent. I was like genuinely trying to get my life back on track. I was six months sober and I was like jumping through all the hoops and I was like, getting unsupervised visits with my kids three times a week and was like moving into over like I was like on the track right and then this thing happened and it was just like such a traumatic point that I just didn't want to keep going at that point I was just like man fuck this I was like I I wasn't even involved with anything and bad things are still happening. Like, yeah, like I, I did stuff. Like I did what you told me to do. I did. I did the getting sober thing. I did the working a full-time job thing. I did the like fucking being humble thing and like not needing no man, you know, like independent woman shit, like fucking right. Focus on your kids, focus on your life. And like, I did all of that. And you still got screwed. And something bad, something really bad still happened. And then it was just like, do I go through this really bad incident on my own? Because now I don't have my kids. And I don't have any other support besides him. So it's like, do I go through this all by myself? Or do I have the, the person that's putting me through all these things comfort me through it? It's awful. But it makes complete sense. Like but I'm like... <laughs> I get, I totally get it. You just want the comfort. And it's like, no matter what I need, no matter if you're the person that's hurting me or not, if you're the only person there that can also comfort me, I'm going to seek out the comfort. When was the moment? Do you have a, did you have another husband? So no, see, things still keep getting weird. <laughs> so he leaves. I actually started talking to someone a couple of different people off of Facebook, ironically enough. I don't know when, like, Facebook became Tinder. But my Facebook was my Tinder for a while. So I find out I am pregnant, right? So when I find out I am pregnant, they give me, like, the timeline of when you can get pregnant. Well, obviously, Amy's not with anyone right now. Amy's sleeping with multiple people right now. So Amy's sleeping with homeboy who she just started sleeping with. So I know it's not his baby. Which was good because he ended up having like a whole secret family that I didn't know about. <laughs> so so then I had to narrow it down to these other two. So there's this guy who is Hispanic. And then there's this other guy who is very white. And I'm like, all right, it's between you two. So I like did the math and like what it boiled down to as far as the math goes was very close to it just fucking being a 50-50 chance, honestly. So I go to homeboy and I'm like, hey, yo, I'm pregnant. 
And he's like, well, what are the chances? It's mine. Well, I'm a whore, but like I'm an in the closet whore. So I'm like, yo, it's your baby. A hundred percent it's yours. I swear to God. (laughs) (laughs) Essentially along the lines. But with the follow through of you have zero obligations to this baby. So that was the follow through. Like this was not like I'm going to trap this man. It was a, hey, I'm pregnant. And his response was pretty much along the lines of like, well, we should get an abortion. So when I was like, well, no, like my body, my choice is like straight the card I pulled. (laughs) But I was like, but however, like you don't need to be involved. Um, So then he did the whole, I'm not going to have a baby in the world and not be involved and like blah, 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 blah. Well, as the story plays out, obviously that was not the case. He was fine having a baby in the world and not being involved. So anyways, so we're moving down the timeline. So he doesn't want to be involved. And then the other guy... That has the option of being the daddy. (laughs) And so to like break this news to him that I'm pregnant. So then as I'm saying this to him, of course, he's realizing that like he's been sleeping with me, obviously. Like he's putting two and two together. So he's like asking me, he's like, well, am I the dad? And I was just, I told him, honestly, I was like, I don't know. (laughs) There's about a 50-50 chance of that. Um, And we just like ended up talking about, we didn't really say much about it that night. I just kind of left. On that note, I was like, yo, I'm having a baby. Bye. <laughs> like, we can talk later, I guess, when I'm, like, not emotional. Um, but, you know, he said that he had asked me what the other person's feelings on it were, and I told him. Essentially, what we decided was to have this baby together and be best friends, and then we, like, fell in love and decided that we love each other and blah, 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 and then bad things happen and fucking I don't know we just didn't really work out the way that we were supposed to work out so but he's the guy that you live with now yeah so you guys still are like acquainted and have a friendship of some sort yeah it's like a weird dynamic but like all my life's a weird dynamic so like I think it's kind of normal I guess but you know he like lives there and he's like a really good dad and I don't really see him that much I mean it's kind of works out well like we work the same but like by the time I'm off and I go all the way out to Jameson's daycare to, like, go get him. And then I, like, get home. Then, like, it's time for bed. Looking back on it now, because it sounds like you haven't recounted a lot of these memories for a really long time or talked about it. No, I just, like, block that shit out. <laughs> I'm like, yo, it was traumatic. And, like, that's it. <laughs> I'm glad you felt comfortable enough to even talk about it today. But how, like, at this point in your life, are you proud of how far you've come? I mean, you're, you're managing a restaurant. You know, you're you're raising a child. You have three cars, right? Three cars? Yeah. I think looking back at over it, I don't know. It's just weird still, I think, to, like, take in because, like, I still look at how much I still have to do to, like, be a good person, essentially. So, like, I've got all these things going for me, and it's crazy because, like, I quit doing drugs cold turkey, and I pulled myself out of the weeds, essentially, but, like... I don't know how. And like, if you ask me, like, I don't, I don't really know how, like I just did it. And like, I have friends still that are struggling with drug addiction, you know, and they come to me all the time and like, they need help. And it's hard being the sober friend because you want to help them and you want to give them all the stuff that they need to help them. But you also have to be guarded too, because you can't sabotage yourself while helping these friends. Right. But then they ask you how you did it. And then you're like, Oh, like I just did it. But, like, that sounds shitty because I know a lot of people that can't just do it. Like, you know, it's, like, the reason why I couldn't just leave. Like, I couldn't just leave. Where other people, they easily walk out of a relationship. So it's the same when you're getting off of drugs, you know. It's 
you either just do it or you need help or you just don't and you stay and you keep doing it knowing damn well that it's not going to get better or you're going to potentially die, but you're just staying, you know? So it's hard looking back because I know how far I've come, but I know like all the trauma that came with it and like there's a lot I have to get past before like I'm actually okay. Does that make sense? But like I'm very much so just like on a one track mind. Like my whole thought process right now is how can I make the most money to live the kind of lifestyle that I want to live not only for myself but for my son and having what people I'm going to have around me and my son. So I'm very particular with my friend group now too and I'm very guarded. Like I don't really have friends which is weird like I have my friends I've got like the girls and like we go out and we'll get our nails done and we go to brunch and I have like a couple of friends that like I go to brunch with like once a month but like I don't have people that I seek out on a daily basis I don't have friends that I talk to on a daily basis and not because they're not there like I bet if I was to shoot you a text and I was like hey girl what's up you'd fucking text me back right but it's like I just don't have the want for that I want to make my money. I want to pay my bills. I want to buy all the bougie things that I want to fucking buy for myself and my son now. And I don't want to have to like worry about the drama that comes with it. You know, like I don't want to worry about if I get in a relationship with the next person and I love them and they hurt me and like blah, blah, blah. I just want to like do my casual thing because that's what people need. I mean, like no one's going to just not need anyone like I want to just be casual and like live that kind of lifestyle and just really focus on like being a very strong woman and like I've overcome so much and I just don't see anything besides so many things that I can do I mean like I am running a whole business and I've got so many things like I pay for my own house and I've got three cars and I got a boat and I got a kid and I pay my own rent and I pay all of my child care and I pay all of my bills you know it's like I fully provide for myself I fully provide for my child and I fully provide for all the extras like I do that and so if I'm going to take time to make time for anybody it's going to be like friend wise or just doing the things that I want to do in my own life like I'm gonna go on a vacation I'm gonna go see some shit like well thank you for coming on this podcast appreciate it so much and I'm glad that you felt comfortable and I'm grateful that you were willing to even talk about all these things because it is hard and clearly like there's a lot of emotions flowing through you looking back on it do you have any regrets or are you grateful for every all the events that have led up to this point in your life I mean like honestly you regret like all of it like I regret being addicted to drugs i regret being with the people that i was with i like you you regret all of it but like obviously if i could change any of it i would change a lot of it because that's just the person that you would be and like honestly a lot of people are like oh no i wouldn't go back and change a thing because it made me the person i am today and like honestly fuck that like fuck that i would not be a traumatized individual if i could not be a traumatized individual however i think it's really helped me just be a better person because I can look at that kind of stuff because not a lot of people are like oh this person's an asshole they're just an asshole I'm like okay well like why are you an asshole today like you don't seem like someone that just strikes me as an asshole why are you an asshole like what's wrong right you you have a greater sense of understanding because you've been 
and seen so much that if somebody's being a dick, there's probably a reason. But even then, it. like even just people that are just like genuinely nice, I used to be like, ugh, like you're nice, and now I'm like, oh yeah, like look, they're happy. You know, most people just don't go through all the shit that you go through, especially at the age of 26. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I've like lived a whole life. I know this girl's lived eight lives in 25 years. But anyway, thanks so much for coming on. I'm sure there's thousands of things that we didn't even delve into. Thank you guys for listening to Man to Man with two men speaking about manly shit. Um, Tune in next time for the next episode.